Hi, everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Courtney. And I swear I never want to see corn again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we did definitely see a lot of it this weekend. On the side of the road and the magnets. Yeah, we didn't eat any. That's the enemy's food. Uh, We saw it on people. People had hats that were corn cobs. They did have corn cob hats. Didn't see any corn cob pipes, though. So that's interesting. Yeah. What's up with that? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the Conspiracy Theory Podcast that is GoTech, Please Don't Die. On this episode, we'll be unraveling the mystery of why there were no corn cob pipes at the sporting event that doesn't allow smoking. But yeah, I mean, this was you a know, pretty fun environment to be at, at least until the oh rain yeah. came. You know what, what would be good, though? So you know how, like, the Nationals do the racing presidents? If Nebraska could have, like, racing corn cobs yeah but it's just three actual pieces of corn cob on the field that just lay there and everyone cheers (laughs) i mean their fans would probably be into it that's kind of what their offense looks like most games right (laughs) you could have the uh refs throw corn cobs instead of flags since uh you know both are yellow yeah Yeah, they also yeah they love to throw flags so uh yeah Yeah, but i mean before we get into the game I just want to say, like, that was by far the best college football environment that I've ever been in. Nebraska fans, I think, deserve a big shout out for sticking with their team for what, like, 25 years of being bad and making them sad. And um, still selling out every game. Yeah, 87,000 yeah. was the announced, 87,115. Uh, and that's more than the, you know, official capacity of the stadium at about 85,5. Um, and it was, it was pretty much full. I mean, some empty seats here and there, but like a complete sea of all red, like nobody wearing the wrong colors, nobody, not entire sections like empty. I mean, I've been to some games in some environments that would claim to be better than Nebraska, like, you know, a South Carolina or Arkansas. But when Louisiana Tech shows up, a bunch of people stay home. That was not the case for Nebraska. Those people either have nothing better to do or they love their team. And uh, I got to give them props for that. Yeah, the fans were great. Um, the environment was so cool. Haymarket was awesome. Um, no, it was just a good time with good friends, even if the outcome wasn't what we wanted. Um, overall, it was a good time. And they didn't all leave at halftime either. No. Um, there was still a pretty sizable crowd even after the thunderstorms rolled through and there was yeah. like an hour delay. I mean, a bunch of people left during the rain delay, but I mean... It was 28 to seven and it was a a lightning delay that was, you know, could have gone on for hours for all they knew. So I got no beef with that. But um, yeah, you're right. When we've played these other games, it it has been a, oh, yeah, this great environment, Mississippi State, the cowbells, it will be so loud, bring ear earplugs and okay yeah get some earplugs go to that game and it's it's nothing and then going to this one probably should have brought some earplugs especially for the oh god however old they were kids directly uh, behind us screaming the entire game i mean screeching like yeah. full-on scree like courtney had blood in her ear kind of screeching like it was <laughs> yeah there were some pretty um yeah w- wild children behind me that were screeching like hyenas uh yeah, my ears pretty, not hearing pretty badly but except for those three and the guy that uh, pissed me off, um, you know, shout out to <laughs> yeah. shout out to, I guess, let's see, 87,111 people, uh, yeah. and not those four people specifically. But yeah, I mean, uh, and you mentioned the game not being the outcome we wanted, but honestly, it's better than most of us predicted we would have yeah. done. So 
I don't know. I, I thought I'm not upset about it. I'm not yeah. mad. I mean, just like general thoughts, I, I thought we performed pretty admirably. I mean, obviously you lose by two touchdowns, but it could have been a lot worse. I, ex- you know, I guess I didn't expect it to be a lot worse. I predicted 30 to 13 as the outcome. But, you know, I thought was we had chances. For most of it. Yeah, we had chances. Uh, and there were some there were some critical uh, points in this game that, you know, if something goes our way instead of Nebraska's way, I mean, maybe you're talking about a. You know, would you say, Nathan, in your preview, you said it would come down to the end, right? I mean, yeah, I said a field goal or something like that near the end. Yeah. And I think I think we could have had that if there weren't some, you know, well, I'll say questionable at best for now, um, officiating decisions in the third quarter. And uh, that sounds like sour grapes. You know, we lose by 14 points. So can the officiating really have uh, impacted it that much? But I don't know. We'll talk about it, I guess. So I, I just want to go on the record and say I, I did predict that Nebraska was going to do more and we were going to do less. But that was also with the assumption that our starting quarterback was going to be in. So, yeah, I'm hmm. almost glad he wasn't. Interesting take there. Um, <laughs> kind of opposite from what you would normally expect, right? I don't know, because um, I think that we've seen a lot of explosion from the offense, but more with Jack Turner. And I know that we talked about it this weekend with the difference in play calling between, you know, Jack Turner and Hank Bachmeyer. It, like, it just seems like the schemes were different. But to counter some of Nathan's points previously about Hank being more conservative and and uh, Jack Turner being more, you know, explosive, I guess, like. Nathan was predicting that if he went out on the field and started doing that, he was going to throw interceptions. And I mean, there was only one. He He threw one. I was right. Success, Nathan. Nathan won. Everybody else is zero. That is Dakota Crawford's interception, sir. Um, Yeah, I agree. Like you were expecting him to like have so many turnovers compared to like Hank, and that did not happen. And you're right. It did. He he came out and looked like he was the starting quarterback. If you were just tuning into this game and didn't know the fact that he was the backup going into the year, you would assume that he was our quarterback the whole time. He had the poise in the pocket. The biggest thing for me, and this may be somewhat due to his mobility, not sacked at all. Yeah. None. Yeah, no. Yeah, and a lot of that credit also goes to the offensive line, uh, which we'll harp on in a second when it comes to the running game. But on the passing game, just incredible i thought he would throw picks to escape pressure to just get the ball in the air and try to make something happen but he didn't need to he had time to throw it's just his receivers failed him a few times yeah he had time to sit there and make those decisions and he didn't second guess and he made you know made good decisions and yeah receivers not necessarily the best but you know it it's it's forward momentum that we need So I think uh, it's interesting because, you know, you're talking about explosiveness, the actual metric explosiveness. This was actually one of our worst games. (laughs) I think I think what what the offense had in this game that it has lacked was the efficiency. Right. So the metric of success rate, which is do you pick up, you know, half of the yards that you need on first and second down and then all of the yards you need on third and fourth down. So in this game, our success rate was 0.452, which was pretty, pretty good. That's a lot higher than Nebraska's was. But then if you look at the equivalent points per play, which is like how successful are your successful plays, it was 1.19, which is not, uh, that's not very good compared to what we've done in the other games this season. And that's just because like, we didn't, we didn't break off any long plays in this game. I mean, yeah, Yeah. like you said, yeah, we did not break off any long plays. 
That being said, we did have the long, the tied for the second longest run given up all year by Nebraska. It was the 19 yard touchdown rush to score our first touchdown. They gave up one longer run play to Colorado. And then this is tied for the second most. Our running game was not very good. We didn't expect it to be very good, but we averaged 2.2 yards per carry, which sounds really bad. And it is, but they were averaging giving up 1.7 and that's against two big 10 teams (laughs) and Northern Illinois. So that's nothing to really complain about. You know, we only got 46 rushing yards, but I think that, what we did instead is we kept the passing game short and simple, moved the ball yep. through the air on first and second down. Our efficiency really did take a dive on third and fourth. Uh, we're going to talk about that fourth down play in a second. But the third down, uh, three for 12, which is not great, but also we ended up in quite a few long third downs. But our defense held Nebraska to three of 11 on third down. Yeah, so I think let's talk about I mean we kind of talked about yesterday morning when we were sort of waking up the day after the game you know we had a long drive back so uh, just having slept on it we kind of were saying what do you guys think is the reason for the offense moving the ball better is it Jack Turner is you know more willing to let it rip and more willing to find open guys you know in the sort of mid to long range passing game or is it come be called different plays because he knew we couldn't establish a run. So like we only attempted 21 rushes in this game, um, whereas we had 42 passing attempts. So, I mean, that is something we have not seen from Cumbie's offense. So what do you guys think? Is it Jack Turner is just like the answer at quarterback and we, you know, we need his like less conservative approach or is it that, you know, Cumbie kind of schemed around Nebraska's strengths and, found a way to get Jack Turner 42 passing attempts, 27 completions for almost 300 yards. So what do you guys think about that? I don't know. I think we can easily say, and like Evan and I talked about this, that like there was definitely a significant difference in Cumbie's play calling for the offensive line. I would be curious to see like if Hank is healthy and gets put back on the field, how we kind of go from here um, to see like if we do see that like huge difference. Because I don't know if I'm in the minority, but I honestly think even if Hank's healthy next week, I want I want to see Jack Turner start against UTEP. I don't know. I just I really can't I can't say. I don't I have no idea. Like I just I think we need to see like what comes of the season and what Cumbie continues to do. Um now that we've seen like there are components here that are great and against another team like this may have been enough to, you know, pull out a win, but like against Nebraska it just ultimately wasn't enough. So you know, we're, we're, we seem to be moving in the right directions in some way. I think that almost all the success in this game really came down to more of the defensive side of the ball. The fact we were able to limit Nebraska to seven and probably should have been 10 points by halftime. Really, the fact is we only scored seven points that were not in garbage time. Uh, so I, I don't want to sit around and celebrate our offense too much, even though the passing yeah. game was better. It was punt, 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 touchdown, punt downs punt 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 and then finally that garbage time touchdown coming back from the uh the weather delay so i'm not ready to like by any means celebrate anything jack turner looked good he looked good enough to not lose us this game which was big because our defense almost did enough to win us it uh maybe if a couple fumbles bounced the other direction and we end Mm. up with the ball this could have been a much closer game than even if it looks in the final scoreboard but Uh, Or not even to mention the penalty stuff that we will probably eventually get to. But (laughs) I think that he was good. He was better than I expected him to be, especially when it came to taking care of the ball. 
I mean, both of the drives we did have that scored ended up with big plays to set things up. That first one, we have a 28-yard uh, catch by Cyrus Allen. And then the second drive, the 20-yard touchdown catch after a 24-yard catch to start the drive. All three of those, by the way, by Cyrus Allen. So Yeah, good game for Cyrus. Yeah. yeah. We needed the big play, a 20-plus-yard play to get have anything going in this game. And yes, our explosiveness is down over previous games. But this offense, whether it's Bachmeyer or Turner leading it, relies on the big play. Agreed. And I mean, another shout out to the defense. Um, I mean, we over doubled our sacks for the year. We we three sacks, three different players um, against Nebraska's offense. Yeah, let's um, talk about the defense. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I want to start here because y'all y'all are shouting them out an awful lot for a team that gave up 315 rushing yards. <laughs> Um, 312 rushing yards on 48 attempts. So seven, almost, you know, six and a half yards per carry. Uh, I thought the defense was fine. They definitely kept us in the game, gave us a chance, but the fact of the matter is several angles were poorly taken that led to 72 yard touchdown runs a little too often in this game, including one that was called back for a hold. Um, I really enjoyed um, doing the holding symbol into the Nebraska fans um, who were getting in my face about the touchdown run. But um, I don't know. We knew in this game that Nebraska was just going to run the ball on us. So I'm not really all that impressed by the fact that we, you know, quote unquote, held them to 107 passing yards. Like, that's good. It's good that we didn't give up more, but we gave up 312 on the ground and that's all they needed. And we did a pretty good job outside of a few big plays, but the big plays still happened. So you know, I have trouble like really shouting them out completely because, you know, yes, this could have been worse. It could have been like a, several people predicted it would be like a 50 to 50 to 10 type of loss. But, you know, when we needed a play, when we needed to not give up a 72 yard touchdown run, did they do it? No. So uh, I think there's still more to be improved on there because 312 yards on the ground is, is not something I'm going to going to praise just to be, you know, real honest. I think the thing to me when it came to the defense was that first seven points on the scoreboard at halftime. That's my main takeaway is that they are going to be deeper than us. Our offense needed to do more to win. I was not expecting our defense to come out and, you know, hold them to seven all game or 14 even. But the fact they didn't recover fumbles, things like that's not at all their fault. No, the fumbles, the fumbles were always just kind of like, oh, damn. Those are always luck plays. You never really know. I wish that would have bounced a little more, you know? Uh, you mentioned the angles thing. Uh, I mean, uh, notes that I took during the game and I kind of forgot about till I was going back through my notes. Defending the option is really where we struggled. What it looked like we were doing is that we were trying to play the pitch back, uh, you know, take away the edge, keep them from being able to toss the ball to the running back and have him go off. But we end up just with only playing the pitch, allowing the quarterback to keep running. And that's part of the reason why Harburg ends the night with uh, only 107 passing yards, but 157 rushing yards. That is not something we will probably see again this year. We're not playing yeah. a service academy. Yeah. And I mean, about the option, the guy who's playing the pitch, he's doing exactly his job. He's taking away the pitch. The problem is that the, you know, the other linebacker who's supposed to play the quarterback did not get there in time or took the wrong angle. And specifically on the 72 yard run that I keep referencing, like, I mean, he just like, took a completely flat angle and then the quarterback ran right past him. If he doesn't take that flat angle, he at least touches the quarterback, which would slow him down enough 
to for the other teammates for the safeties for the cornerbacks to get there and help make the tackle you know and maybe it's still a 15 20 yard game but it's not 72 yards literally untouched but that is absolutely not on um the the guy playing the pitch man because if if he goes and tackles the quarterback then the pitch man's wide open for a 72 yard touchdown so it was execute i think it was just like the fact that whoever it was that was supposed to come over to get the quarterback was not getting there consistently uh, made it look like the you know the guy playing the pitch was in the wrong spot. But I don't know a ton about scheming, but that I think is uh, is what was going on there. So I don't think that was like a Scott Power thing is my point, I guess. Speaking of Scott Power, someone needs to keep him off the field. <laughs> oh, man. Let's talk about officiating. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, transition into that because um, you're right, Courtney. I mean, two times in the first quarter, we get a sideline warning for – Scott Power, like being too far onto the field, I guess. And then we got a, a, you know, an actual interference, sideline interference penalty due to it being the second warning, I guess. And it was a five yard penalty, a first down. Um, I don't have in front of me like what the scenario was, but you can't, you can't do that, right? I mean, you can't get flagged for that. They gave him a handler after that, right? Because there was a guy actively pulling him back from the sideline. Yeah. And most teams have that. For the play caller, whether it's the head coach or whoever, usually most teams have a guy whose job it is to keep them off the field. And either we didn't have that guy early or something. But, you know, by the end of the game, there was someone more aggressively pulling him towards the sideline. But, you know, after you get that first warning, especially after you get the first penalty, the fact that you need to be pulled back still by someone's like, all right, let's uh, let's avoid even more penalties here, please. Because on the night, the way that the end of the game uh, sorts itself out, Nebraska is penalized six times for 55 yards. The Bulldogs 12 times for 100 yards. Yeah, and as we were going down for the you know the lightning delay, we had to leave the stands. Um, there were these two guys dressed as referees a couple rows ahead of us. And I kind of turned to them and, and just said, like, hey, man, I wish you guys were down there refing instead of the guys we have. And they said, oh, yeah, us too, man. We've, we've had a lot of fandom holding calls. And, like, so to those guys' point, in the first half, the game was officiated pretty evenly, I think. I don't know. I don't have the stat in front of me, but, you know, Nebraska had maybe two or three more really long runs that were called back because their wide receivers could not stop holding our DBs um, on downfield runs. And, I mean, it was it was egregious holding, right? So uh, it was called several times, including on – a really long touchdown run. And then, you know, a couple of other times on like a 30, 40 yard run, they'd get hit for holding like 15, 20 yards down the field. So, you know, when I'm seeing it in the nosebleeds, like it's, it's pretty obvious. So that stopped happening though, in the second half. So that's a little interesting. I don't know if they stopped holding us or if they stopped calling it. Well, and we had it happen when Cyrus Allen returned the kick for the touchdown and i was starting to feel bad for these guys i was like man y'all are running so far just for it to get called all the way back (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was a bunch of times in a row wasn't it that it kind of happened yeah it seemed like Like back to back quarter that seemed to happen a lot there really my biggest thing with the officiating is the third down i think it was like a third in in six or seven third and 11 third yeah. and 11 we complete a pass looks like he gets beyond the sticks from our vantage point again we're in the nosebleed so i mean i'm not going to i'm going to second guess my eyes every time because we're so far away 
But what we see on the replay and then what we hear about on the televised broadcast is that it looks like he got it. It doesn't look like he got it. He, he fucking got it. got it. Like, it is no doubt. I, I have no idea how they didn't overturn that. I, I just watched it before we started recording because I hadn't seen it since we saw the replay and like the still shot on the Jumbotron where it was like, okay, he needs to get to the 27 and he got to the 26 and a half. Like, what's the problem here? You know? Well, yeah. And the guy holding the chain started to move. Like, yeah. He thought he he saw that he got it. So that's a really big call. It it ends up leading to us going for it on fourth and one from our own 28. We were very stupid in that play call, in my opinion. But I mean, you know, you trust your six, five quarterback to get three feet down the field, I guess. But and we run this like little QB sneak with a fullback push from the back. And honestly, he probably got it about half of the yardage, but they still spotted it right where it started. So I, I don't know what was going on there. Um, I don't think he got on the fourth and one. I don't think he got the play. I saw some people on Twitter saying that um, he got it to the 27, but I don't think he made it quite that far, but he definitely made it farther than the 28. And it was like out of nowhere, things just kind of changed, right? It's 14-7 at that point. You know, the teams go back-to-back punts after that, but then, you know, it's so it's still 14-7 for a little bit. And then there's this like weird phantom unsportsmanlike penalty um, which I haven't found scrubbing through the game yet, but um, you know, one of our players kind of swipes at the back of another guy, and then their offensive lineman asked for a flag, and he literally threw the flag because he asked. So it's very rare to have a game where you feel ever everyone feels like the officials were fair. Um, I think just with the number of penalties that were called in this game, both fan bases aren't going to be thrilled about it. Eighteen flags thrown, um, not including when like two flags are thrown for the same penalty. So that's a big part of this game. And that's why I think it's worth talking about. It's not just sour grapes. I think that tech still loses regardless of how those things go, but that changed a lot, both sides of the ball and took away big plays by both teams. And then there's an obvious pass interference that is flagged and then picked up. uh, Okay. I'm watching that play right now. And I literally have no idea what the flag was thrown for. I mean, that's what like, yeah, it it has even what I saw from the stands, it looks like nothing. I mean, I don't even see that here. Like it it's first and ten. I mean, Nebraska has great field position after a bad punt uh from our you know, we were backed up into our end zone. So they run a play, it's a run play for about a two yard gain, probably, and then there's an unsportsmanlike penalty called on tech. And I mean, the offensive lineman just kind of looks at the ref and says something and then the ref throws the flag. I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. Oh my god, this is worse than I thought, dude. Wow. Okay, I need to stop watching <laughs> this. I'm getting mad all over yeah. again. And then, and then, you know, early in the fourth quarter, we go downfield to smoke, and smoke gets pushed down, and they throw a flag, and then they pick it up. I mean, it's yeah. this all happened within like ten minutes of real time, and it's like those three calls. So Nebraska goes and scores a touchdown after this unsportsmanlike. So it's twenty-one to seven. And maybe they would have scored that touchdown anyway, and maybe we wouldn't have scored a touchdown on the fourth down. But, you know, it, nothing's guaranteed, but it's like uh, it, it's like Rams fans saying that it doesn't matter that the P.I. wasn't called because the Saints got a chance to win the game. Right. OK, well, but if the P.I. was called, they would have had a chip shot field goal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so you can't say what for certain would have happened. But, you know, the Play fact that. Uh- like, yeah, the fact that we we have a possession inside the thirty yard line taken away from us by a bad spot is it matters. It matters. It just does matter. Yes. Yeah. 
All right. So yeah, we, we've talked a long time about this game. Um, and so I, I think it's about time to, to start wrapping up, picking players of the game and, and, you know, any other thoughts you have before we completely leave Nebraska behind. Courtney, do you want to go first, pick a player of the game and, and anything else you want to say about this game? Sure. I'll go first. Um, I mean, we had some good performances by a lot of players. I'm going to give player of the game to Cyrus Allen. Six receptions, 102 yards total, averaged 17 yards. um, And he had the one touchdown play that was fantastic. Um, Mm, Yeah, great catch. Yeah, there were some other players in the receiving core that were also uh, put up a great performance. But... I, I'm going to have to pick Cyrus Allen just based on that touchdown catch alone. Yeah. Evan? Yeah, I mean, I think overall, I think there's positive to take away from this game. Um, you know, we knew Nebraska had a really good run defense, and my biggest fear was that we were going to come out of this game, you know, with 50, 50 rushing attempts and 30 passing attempts, you know, and just be like, we're going to we're going to try to beat a team that's, you know, number 2 or number 4 in the nation in run defense on the ground. We're from Conference USA, they're from the Big 10. Yeah, let's let's play smash mouth with them. The ha- the best outcome is that we did not do that, right? We we passed the ball twice as many times as we ran it and we didn't run effectively, so I'm not happy, but like we knew that going in and we were able to find receivers at the outside, you know, find screen passes and bubble screens to smoke. And that's good. The run defense, I think, you know, if you take away the big plays they allowed, I think this is a great, great performance because they'd be down around 200 yards probably uh, with, you know, maybe 14 fewer points, right? So I think that uh, overall that there's some building blocks here that we can we can move forward with. As for my player of the game, I'm going to, I think Cyrus is a great choice. Um, I'm going to go with Jack Turner. This is his first like real game action and it's, it's his first start of his career and he's under the lights in front of 87,000 people, most of whom were very hostile. Some of whom were screeching like hyenas. Um, (laughs) And he comes out and he throws for almost 300 yards and he didn't throw a pick. You know, he did, but um, Decoldis Crawford's helmet, batted the ball straight to a guy with 40 seconds left in the game. So when it mattered, Jack Turner played very admirably and he really settled in too. Like he, he came out and he was nervous and he missed a few open receivers on the first couple drives. He also had the highest um, PFF grade on the offense. So there you go. He ain't get sacked either. That's wild. Hey, shout out offensive line, I guess. I mean, they didn't open any running holes, but they figured out how to pass block in a hurry. Yeah, against a really good defense. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to go to our defensive side of the ball for my player of the game, uh, Evan. You mentioned the fact that yes, we allowed how many rushing yards in this game? Three hundred and twelve. But one thing that I thought we did well was stuff interior rushes. I felt like so many times, just in previous games, that we'd run the, the opponent would run the ball up the middle, find a hole, and break through. And that's not really where Nebraska found success. They found success by spreading our team out and then attacking, doing the option-style plays to the outside, things like that. In fact, our stuff rate for this game, which is a stat, I'm trying to remember exactly how it's formatted, but it's like the percentage of uh, run plays that end up getting caught at or within one yard of the line of scrimmage or something like that. Um, Ours is .136, which I don't have the reference data in front of me to tell you the 
how great of a number that is other than it's green on this chart that I'm looking at right now um, <laughs> and very close to Nebraska's. So what that means, though, is that Tech was able to stuff those inside runs that Nebraska tried. The thing that I was most afraid of was that, and we were able to stop it defensively. And so I want to give my player of the game to Zach Zymos, and not just because I got to say Zach Zymos again. He ends up with one of the sacks, two of the tackles for loss. Um, we ended the, the night, by the way, with nine TFLs. I may at some point look to see how many we have on the season, but we haven't had many. And he had two of them against Nebraska in that one sack and also ends up with the second highest PFF player grade according to well, PFF, but published on Blue Tech Blue. So he's the kind of guy that needed to step up and keep Nebraska from running for 500, 600 yards instead of only 312. <laughs> and he did exactly that. So Zach Zymos is my yeah, player of the game. And I agree. And to be clear, I mean, this could have been worse. We've literally seen in the last, you know, what, eight, 10 games we've played like that North Texas game last year is kind of, I think what maybe people were expecting from this game, right? Just not being able to stop them at all. Right. And if you had the stuff rate for that game up, it would probably somehow be negative. I, I don't know. I don't think that's possible, but I don't think we tackled anyone within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, let alone one. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, that was Tex 28 to 14 loss to Nebraska. Next up is UTEP, and we'll be previewing that game in the next episode. That may or may not come out the same day as this episode. We'll see. It's a short week. We play on Friday. So, you know, get your podcast out of the way early is what I'm saying. That about wraps it up for this episode of the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or head to our blog, gtpdd.dog, where you can do this week's contest. You can buy this month's shirt of the month. Or you can wait a few days and buy next month's shirt of the month. It's almost October. It's spooky season. Um, or you can go to our Instagram, gtpdd.dog, where we uh, post things there sometimes. And with you know Twitter circling the drain, we may be posting there a lot more. So make sure you go ahead and give that a follow. Until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Courtney. And go tech. Please don't die. contest now i have not graded it yet so <laughs> let's say yes <laughs> is that a conflict anyway, of interest I'm, I'm sure it is i could enter it myself too so i don't think that i don't know we'll we'll, we'll talk to we'll talk our to our lawyers. lawyers yeah crickets in the other room so i'll ask her afterwards anyway <laughs>